You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, talking about Michigan's 29-7 win over Indiana. You know, Steve, you and I were joking before the before the show that it was almost maybe the most boring game. It was it was very much how it was expected. I think I said thirty one to ten. I think you said thirty four thirteen. You know, they they continued to have some some issues in the red zone. Uh, the the run game was dominant again. The defense was was pretty darn darn good. Maybe maybe the best defensive performance of the season. Um, you know, you'd have to you'd have to consider you know, who they're playing and everything. But anyways, we're going to talk about what happened in the game in the first half of this episode. And then the second half, just kind of knowing where everyone's heads are at. We'll take a look at the the rest of the season for the Wolverines, what sort of things still need to be cleaned up. We'll talk about college football playoff rankings and what we expect from Michigan the rest of the way. But first, talking about this game, Steve, I, I guess uh, I'm not sure where to start. I mean, there wasn't it wasn't a ton new. Anything really jump out to you as something that that maybe maybe didn't catch you by surprise, but you're you're suddenly paying a little bit more attention to after this game. Maybe a couple little things. So first things first. I think for about a month now, I've been saying Hassan Haskins is Michigan's most important player, and he cemented that status to me. Yesterday, uh, Blake Corum goes down. Haskins pretty much carried the team through the first half. And again, uh, tone setter, you know, Michigan physically up front beat Indiana at the line of scrimmage and Haskins did a lot of the, the beating up himself. So, you know, can't understate how valuable he continues to be for Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I thought the, this game, like I think I said before, it was like, it was a culmination of everything that Michigan has been so far this year. Ran the ball effectively. Passing game was solid, but not but unspectacular. I think um, defense played played very very well. Red zone offense continues to be an issue. Special teams was um, uh, awesome again. You know Jake Moody, how you know lights out all uh, has what twenty field goals now this year, and Brad Robbins continues to be one of the top punters in the country. So. Special teams was great. It's like it was everything that Michigan has really been to this point of the year. It's a couple, one thing I thought, just eyeball test watching the game, and a, a good thing for Michigan going forward, uh, Taylor Upshaw looked like a totally different guy yesterday for them. Uh, stats kind of back that up. I think, he had a, I think he had one of the sacks. He had a couple quarterback hurries, uh, a couple tackles for a loss. You know, you already have Hutchinson. You have Ojabo. You have Mike Morris has played a, a lot, you know, to have an even another guy at that spot who you can throw in there. I mean, any more depth at that spot is going to make a job life easier for Ajabo and Hutchinson for sure. So, you know, seeing Taylor Upshaw step up like that, get back healthy. He's been out the last couple of weeks. And then also, and again, we'll see what the, I know you got the grades and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm interested. I thought Michael Barrett was an asset for the most part yesterday. I know he hasn't played a ton. And I think Jim Harbaugh said after the game, he's kind of a, 
chess piece they've been using they, they used to eliminate the substitute the the sub issue that they've been having. That's why he played so much yesterday compared to what he's played, you know, the the really the whole season. You know, I, I thought overall again I haven't rewatched yet, but but first glance is that he was mostly an asset for them uh, yesterday. So you know, he's a guy who has some starting experience and and really, you know, maybe a nice little bump back up from him. You know, can help Michigan down the stretch. So yeah, overall though, it just this it did it was a it was a boring game. The I feel bad for the fans that the telecast was absolutely horrible yesterday. I mean. The stuff with Fox, I think, has been an issue all season long, but I think it came to a head yesterday. Uh, I don't remember the exact sequence, but I feel like it was event, like event as in like play or or touchdown or or penalty or something, commercial, play, commercial, injury, commercial, or something like that. I mean, it it was outrageous and it was over the top. So, you know, I think that really, really can like, you know, make the game more boring when you're watching it on TV, let alone me even being there live and their stoppage after stoppage, you know, I think it really can kill kind of the momentum and the, and the just sort of the gradual buildup throughout the game. So, you know, that's an off topic deal, but either way that that was something that I noticed yesterday that was uh, frankly, it was annoying, you know? So yeah, I don't like some stuff to take away out of this game, but, but I don't know, not a ton, you know, I think really it's the bigger question is, and we'll talk about it, the health stuff and, uh, you know, where that is for Michigan going forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on Upshot, by the way. He he actually missed – I think he only technically missed one game, but his snap counts were down in the single digits, um, partly due to injury, partly due to – I mean, David Ajabo looked amazing again. Uh, you know, just continues to be an absolute force. I think over the last five games he has seven sacks – three forced fumbles, three pass breakups, 21 quarterback pressures. I mean, those are those are all American numbers if they're stretched out over the course of the whole season. So going to be fascinating to see how, how he finishes the year because it just seems like each week he's either as good or better than he was the week before. Uh, he was he was Michigan's top-graded player from this game by, by quite a wide margin, actually. Uh, but, but Upshaw as well, you know, he seems like whatever was bugging him earlier in the season. And part of it, I mean, his role was reduced because he, because he lost his starting job, but, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. He offered some really good depth. Um, you know, I think it allows them to get a little creative maybe in, in past rushing situations is, is it a situation where does he get put on the NASCAR package a little bit, that third and long um, pass rushing group. So yeah. And then, and then Michael Barrett, I ironically, or similarly to Upshaw, lost his starting job. Had kind of been forgotten about. I, I think maybe that's maybe that's too far, but had had not been a part of the discussion of Michigan's defense lately. But yeah, he comes in and has a nice game. Uh, you know, Junior Colson, career high eight tackles as well, led the Wolverines in that in that regard. I yeah, to me, most of it is just it it, it only further cements what Michigan is good at, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It seemed like, seemed like there was good pressure. It seemed like, I mean, you know, less than two, anytime you hold a team under 200 yards, which they hadn't done all year, you know, that's, that's something obviously Indiana down to its third string quarterback, um, 
know, they, they had a lot of injuries as well. May arguably more than, than Michigan did. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't follow Indiana's injuries closely enough to know, but it seemed, seemed like both teams <laughs> were, were the injury tent was uh, at capacity much of the night. So, you know, with, with Upshaw, that's, that's maybe one interesting development. I uh, thought it was notable, Steve, I, I don't know about you. I mean, Cornelius Johnson getting a hundred yard game. He's, he's been up and down all season. Uh, you know, he still is Michigan's leading wide receiver, but, but for him to have a, a 100 yard game it, to me, that's, that's the kind of stuff Michigan needed from this game. They needed guys who, who maybe have not had, because some players that they're fully confident in and they're, and they're, they're, you know, an Aiden Hutchinson type, but then there are some players who now that they've got some confidence, they've built some momentum, you know, keeping an eye on next week's game at Penn state, uh, which I would argue, I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously the Ohio state game will be the most important, but this is a big one for Michigan, just in terms of, are they going to be top 10 all year, new year six type team? Or are they going to be, is this going to be another year where maybe they're, they're on the outside looking in heading into that final week of the season. So I thought, I thought there were a lot of players who had what I would call confidence building games. And, and then the other thing, and we won't talk about the, the rankings and stuff just yet, but I think to, to me, you know, we, we can call it a boring game. That's what top 10 teams are supposed to do. You know, when they play the Indianas, the Northwesterns, you know, they didn't make it boring against Rutgers. And that was where everyone started to get a little frustrated about the team. So, yeah, I think uh, you know, for them to make, make it look boring, you know, what I think the one concern, and I want to ask you about it in just a moment, obviously, is the, the three points in the first quarter. They settled for, for field goals on, on three of their red zone trips. You know, so, so there's stuff to clean up, but ultimately they did make this look like a boring game. Are there, is there anything else you saw that maybe is, is troublesome? Because, you know, we can talk about Michigan looking very good overall, but it was Indiana. Two of their final games this season are going to be much, much tougher. And Maryland technically beat Indiana as well, and that's on the road. Any, anything you're looking at that, that maybe is a, either a bigger concern than it was heading into the game or is just still a lingering concern that Michigan has to clean up? I don't think there's anything new necessarily. Like I said, I think the biggest takeaway negative, the biggest negative takeaway out of this game is that the, it's sort of the, the, a lot of the same things with them that have been negative throughout the season kind of continued, particularly the red zone stuff. I will say nice to see them get the tight ends involved in the passing game in the red zone. I thought you talk about a guy stepping up in a big way that that can pay dividends for them down the road, having Schoonmaker two touchdown catches and, and really a foot away from three touchdown catches. Uh, one hands a ball that's thrown just out of bounds, you know, in, just inside the, uh, the pylon. That was one of the, maybe the best catch of the game. I know it didn't count, but that was a, a hell of an athletic effort by him. I think having him and, and and we've seen what Eric all is capable of now having both of those guys maybe playing their best football, of their careers right now is, is can be a big weapon for Michigan in the red zone. So that being said, yeah, I mean, more field goals, less touchdowns. Again, they say Michigan's second in the country in red zone field goals. I think this year they have 16 of them. I think Colorado state leads the country. It's a stat that you're like, 
you're not it's not the worst thing in the world because it means your your field goal kicker is good and, and is hitting, but it's also indicative of some big picture problems. Uh, it cost them against Michigan State not scoring in the red zone, right? So otherwise, I don't nothing really new new. You know, I think like I said, I think if anything, maybe it was just more of the just a continuation. You know, you look at a game like this, you go into the game and you think, you know, we're three quarters of the way through the season maybe we'll start to see them round into form and, and correct and, and maybe you know get away from some of these bad habits or just things that haven't been working and and that maybe if anything we didn't really necessarily see that yesterday it was a boring control they they controlled pretty much from beginning to end you know not never a game that was in any kind of doubt which like you said is always a great thing for teams this late in the season uh doesn't matter who you're playing you know so the positive there, but, but also, you know, nothing really great or, or no, no real signs coming out of this that are like, Oh man, that was, that's so huge for them going forward. Yeah. Yeah. The red zone really would be the only other than obviously the injuries, but that's not like you can't sit here and grade the fact that they, they had players endure injuries. Obviously that's, that's a storyline to, to keep an eye on heading into the Penn state week. I mean, you know, Michigan was, as you mentioned, in such control. You don't know just how serious all those injuries are, but obviously it's a big deal when you have, I don't know, six two deep players, starters or, or heavy rotation guys leaving the game due to injury. So that's, that's obviously one negative for Michigan to keep an eye on. But in terms of performance, yeah, it really is the red zone. At this point, they are now, um, they are now 88th in the country in red zone touchdown percentage. And and they're scoring touchdowns on just 55, 56% of those red zone appearances. And, and in conference play, it's even worse. I mean, they had some success against Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. They're 101st in conference red zone touchdown percentage at just 46.9%. So, yeah, the, the, the percentage of times that they score is, is great. They're 42 for 45 this season. but yeah, the the uh, leading the being second in the country in red zone field goals is kind of a backhanded compliment a little bit. But shout out to Jake Moody who has delivered. I mean, he's he's four field goals away from the the school record, just the second kicker all time to in Michigan history to kick twenty field goals in a season. Seems like thirty is within reach based on the percentage of or the the field goals per game that he has. All right, with with that, with kind of the game, I mean, we'll have stories to to kind of dissect and and you know dig into the nitty gritty. But honestly, I think we covered the bases. I mean, as you mentioned, just not a game that a ton new surfaced from Michigan's performance. Plenty, plenty to like for the Wolverines' defense. Plenty to like for the offense. You mentioned Hassan Haskins' career high, 168 yards on 27 carries. Just looked it up, Steve. None for negative yards again. He had a few for zero. You know, it's not like every carry was was bulldozing, but 168 yards, no negative carries. That's that's pretty impressive. We are going to take a break on the other side. We'll talk about where this Michigan team stacks up nationally and maybe what the final three weeks of the season look like for the Wolverines. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So we mentioned, I think I said top teams make, top 10 teams make these kind of games look boring. Not especially true yesterday. I mean, you look at the, at some of the top 10 teams, uh, obviously Michigan State lost, you know, they, they were playing Purdue, fell 40 to 29, but but even the teams that won, it wasn't like this was some, not everyone was getting blowouts. Oregon beat Washington by 10 points and, and arguably was given that game just a little bit. I mean, they, I think they outplayed Washington for sure, but you know, Washington stepped on their own foot a few times. Alabama only beat LSU by six points. Uh, you know, Ohio State, Nebraska's played everybody close this year, but Ohio State with a nine-point win, scoring just 26 points against the Cornhuskers. You know, Cincinnati versus Tulsa sounds like Tulsa. I didn't, I didn't watch the end, but but sounds like based on what you've described, Tulsa very much in that game played very, very much like a team capable of beating Cincinnati. Wake Forest lost. So Steve, with all of these scores, it seems like Michigan would be in line to move up. Do you, what What do you think happens in terms of the the college football playoff rankings now that Michigan has? has taken care of business against Indiana, Michigan state loss. So that, that makes Michigan's loss to Michigan state look worse, I suppose, but, but they are going to probably have another top 15 win because Wisconsin continues to roll against the, the easier part of its schedule. What, what stands out to you in terms of yesterday's results overall? And are you, it sounds like you kind of, for the show, we're making the case for Michigan to, to move up, not just one spot, but maybe a couple spots. What, how do you feel about Michigan standing in these college football playoff rankings moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan, based on just going off of how they ranked these teams in the first week, uh, I think Michigan should be fifth in the next ranking. I'm not convinced they will be, but I think they should be. I think they should be ahead of Michigan State, which I'm just going to say it, so freaking predictable that that was going to happen yesterday. Uh, feel like you could have called that loss from a mile away. And uh, just makes you shake your head even more at, at, you know, what took place last weekend. You know, it's got to be kind of a bittersweet feeling for Michigan fans to give that game away last week and then see Michigan State be thoroughly outplayed throughout the game by Purdue. I, I don't remember what the final score. I think was it 44 to 29 or four. Did it, Purdue was in control for like 90 percent of that game. So uh, which to produce credit, they're solid. They're not it's not a they're not a bad team at all. Like they, they are still in the, in the fight, 
in the West, but I guess technically literally like every team still is, I think. Um, either way, very predictable. Cincinnati, this is what happens when you're you're playing when you're in the uh not in a power five conference. Uh you're you're there's more pressure on you each week to dominate the lesser opponents that you're on your schedule. Tulsa literally fumbles the football going into the end zone to potentially tie the game. They'd have had to score and get a two-point conversion. But either way, to me, Cincinnati, you got to be more dominant than that week in and week out when you're not playing power five level teams. You know, that it's you know, credit to Cincinnati, credit to Luke Fickle, but one win over Notre Dame to me does not, you know, should not just automatically slot you into the playoffs. Uh, so I think the question, like you mean, you talked about before is maybe the committee keeps Cincinnati ahead of Michigan this week. Cause they just don't want to listen to the, 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 the outcry that would happen if they did it this early, right. maybe Michigan needs to go into happy Valley and beat Penn state next week, but either, or even, even wait it out even longer. Uh, but if Michigan True. was to, right. But if Michigan is to run the table in the regular season, let's just, put the championship talk aside. Let's just theoretically, if Michigan was to run the table, I'm sorry, but there's no way you can't put them ahead of Cincinnati, even with that difference. And with the one loss versus no loss, um, just uh, to me, you just can't. So Oklahoma remains the wild card to me. Cause if Oklahoma runs the table, I think you're going to have a hard time keeping them out. Like there's a lot of possibilities still, but I think I would have Michigan based on the fact that they initially ranked Michigan seventh. I would have them fifth coming out of this weekend if I was on the committee. You know, you, I think you bump Michigan State down. I don't know how far you bump them down, but I think they do fall below Michigan. And then I think you bump Michigan ahead of Cincinnati. So, you know, because that's what, like my logic here is Michigan State obviously is going to get bumped down, but you can't – Cincinnati cannot move up based on that win. I think Michigan needs to jump both. You know, I, th- I, I don't think this is a situation where – you know, it just goes by loss and then you move a team down and everybody just automatically moves up a spot. I think it's a situation where I think Michigan should be ranked ahead of Cincinnati right now. Um, you know, which to say, if you're listening, like if you would have said that Michigan would be fifth, sixth, whatever, heading into mm. double digits dates in November, heading into Happy Valley as the fifth or sixth ranked team in the country in the playoff rankings, you would take it. Every single time. I and mean, I don't think anybody with any rationality predicted that heading into the season, you know? So yes, you don't want that one blemish on the record to beat a Michigan state. I realize if there's one team you could pick to not lose to, it'd probably be them. Maybe even over Ohio state, if we're being at honest. this point. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't take away from where they're still at right now and, and what they have in front of them. So, you know, really a still an exciting time right now for Michigan uh, and the fans. So, yeah, fifth, sixth, seventh. The Bama thing, we could go on about that. I, I they'll never get penalized the way other teams do. I mean, LSU stinks four and four. You know, not that's a very unimpressive win for for a team that already has a loss on their record. So that's a whole nother conversation. But but overall, yeah, I think Michigan should move up. Should move up too. I'm, I'm, do I think they will? I'm not convinced because I kind of agree with you with the PR side of things. Uh, you're essentially eliminating Cincinnati. If you bump Michigan over them right now, uh, you're basically saying we're just waiting for other teams to hop them. But at the same time, you got to beat Tulsa by more than a yard 
you know, it's a two point conversion right. away from tying that game. Who knows how, how that goes, if it goes into overtime, um, you know, so that's where I'm at with it right now. Yeah. I think you and I are on the same page about Cincinnati. I mean, they, they also struggled against Navy early, uh, just a couple weeks ago. I, I think that they'll end up being ahead of Michigan still. I, and, and not undeservingly. So, I mean, they are undefeated, I guess that is something, but, but you're absolutely right that like at least Alabama's sluggish, unimpressive victory was against a, a very talented team. You know, it's, you know, Tulsa is not LSU. Yeah. It's, I'm with you. I kind of think Michigan will stay where they are. I, I think the committee as of right now is fine. You know, we saw last week, they put Oregon ahead of Ohio state. I don't think anybody who's watched football this year that doesn't live in Oregon would, 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 Bound the you know bang on the table saying Oregon's definitely a better football team than Ohio State and their their loss is worse, but you know the head to head was a big component that was obviously something the committee was paying attention to. So I could I could see it happening again, like maybe Michigan State is is sixth and Michigan is seventh, and let them duke it out not 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 against each other, but like you know, Michigan they both have to play Ohio State, they both have to play Penn State. So at the end of the day, you can just go with whichever team has the better record or has looked better. But, but for now, I'm curious if the committee keeps that head to head a priority. Um, just, just again, I don't know if they're doing this to avoid PR, but, but yeah, I mean, if Cincinnati's ranked seventh after one unimpressive performance, everyone from a group of five conference, you know, a lot of national writers are going to, going to throw a big thing about it. And then if Michigan loses at Penn State, I mean the, the playoff rankings are not meant to be predictors. But you know, if, if they're if they're putting a team over an undefeated team and then that team is looking unimpressive or losing even, then they start to get even more flack. So I could see them taking the wait and see approach on Michigan. In terms of the the eye test, I mean I you know this is a I mean this is a very defining three game stretch for the Wolverines. I'm with you. I mean, they, they have, they're eight and one. They're not eight and one very often. They've done it three times under Jim Harbaugh, but, but before that, uh, you know, 2006 and I think 2004 were the only other times that they were eight and one or nine and oh at this point in the year. So since 1997, I should say. Uh, so it's not, you know, they're in, they're in full contention. I think you could argue they're everything is in front of them. You know, we'll see how the standings continue to shake out, but it does seem like if Michigan can get past Penn State and avoid shenanigans at Maryland, they will go into that Michigan-Ohio State game with a chance to beat Ohio State and win the tiebreaker and win the Big Ten East. And and that's, as, as you mentioned, that's exactly where Michigan should strive to be every year. You probably, if you're the Wolverines, aspirationally, you probably don't want to lose to your rival, you'd like to avoid a loss, period. But if you're in, if everything is in front of you when you play Ohio State, to me, that is a season that went according to plan and met expectations. Uh, you know, and obviously fans will want Michigan to beat Ohio State, but that's statistics show that's not going to happen every year. And these days, it's it just doesn't seem to happen, period. So, so we'll see if this year looks different. I, you know, I know you were saying before the show, Ohio State looks very human. I'm curious what, what your overall impression is of Michigan at this point. Are they 
are they a team that, I mean, every team can get better, but are they close to firing on, on all cylinders? I think the big question for me was, how does the passing game continue to evolve? They answered a lot of those questions last week. And I think this week, Cade McNamara, you know, I, I, I liked his performance. Uh, I think it was 10 for eight. I mean, he wasn't asked to do a ton, so that's part of it. But uh, 10 for eight, 168 yards, two touchdowns. You mentioned Luke Schoonmaker having, a, you know, something of a breakout game. Cornelius Johnson having a, a 100-yard game, first one in, in, in a little while at least. How, how close is this team to maybe full speed in your mind? And, and is there something that's sticking out to you the rest of the way that, that they've really, this, this week of practice, maybe it's, not, it's circled three or four times on the to-do list, like figure, figure this out. Uh, Steve, what, what are your thoughts? Is this, is this team firing in all cylinders or, are they still, or is there still a ton of room to grow the rest of the way? I think that's what's so interesting about this team is it does feel like there's still quite a bit of room for growth. I feel like their ceiling is, is higher than what they've shown. Health is going to play a role in that on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I, I, you you talk about Ohio state. Yeah. I, I, again, I I think if anything, the, the biggest thing in that game is, is the voodoo, the mental side for Michigan, because on paper or just when you watch these two teams play, not against each other, but this season, you've watched both teams. Uh, there's zero doubt that Michigan would have a, ch- a chance in that game. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I'd pick them right now, but Ohio State has looked beatable against any team with a pulse that they've played this year. The difference historically last however long is that normally Ohio State seems to play, as good as they've been for how long, they seem to play their best regular season game of the year against Michigan. And for, I mean, on, while we're on the subject, feels like that's what Michigan State does as well. Honestly, <laughs> it feels like both of their, their chief rivals seem to play yeah, their best game. Of the, yeah. Right. Seem to play their best game of the year against Michigan. Whereas Michigan, we've seen them fight and scrap in some instances, but we've also, I think more often than not, they, they look like a shell of themselves in those types of games. So I think the mental side for Michigan is big because you watch the two teams. I don't think there's any doubt Michigan can get pressure on the quarterback. Nebraska got a great amount of pressure on Stroud yesterday. Um, I have a bigger question for Michigan, and it it is, to me, you know, everyone wants to talk about the way Ohio State is throwing the ball. Uh, It it really is going to come down to Michigan winning the trenches in the middle and slowing down Travion Henderson. They didn't do it against Kenneth Walker. So, you know, it's going to be a tall task for sure. You know, it's, it's, it's always this get that game has almost always been decided at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So, you know, we talk about Michigan's offensive line looked solid for the most part yesterday, uh, gave up three sacks, doubled their season total. But I believe we said at least one of those was on McCarthy hanging onto the ball too long. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there are areas I still think, yeah, you, you want to see them build off of the passing game against Michigan state, but then you see Purdue throw for like 500 yards yesterday against Michigan state. And we might be able to just say, well, Michigan state's past defense stinks. I mean, I think Purdue only ran the ball for like 50 yards yesterday and had no problem moving the ball uh, the entire game. So, you know, 
the, the silver lining from the, from, from yesterday, I say there's not anything big you can take out of it, but yeah, like you said, I think having two guys like Cornelius Johnson and Luke Schoonmaker step up is big because we'll see where Andrew Anthony's at. We'll see where Blake Coram's at. I, I feel like Eric all will be back next week. I don't really think that's. Yeah. If he's in uniform this week, I don't, I don't think that was smoke right. screen. I think he's close. Yeah. Um, but you're building more confidence in, in guys that you can get the ball to down the field. So that, that will be one, you know, I think that's one positive to take out going forward and with these other two teams, the two big teams remaining on the schedule, but it's hard to say. I, like I said, I think there is room for growth for them overall. Uh, it's just, it's going to cut. Yeah. It's just going to come down to trench play and, and just, I think the ability to slow down the opposition's running game. Now, Penn State maybe a little bit different. They have not run the ball that well this season. They are much more of a feed the ball to Jahan Dotson, right? And see what he can do type thing. Uh, hasn't hasn't been a terrible strategy. No, I mean, what do you have? Very 12, good. <laughs> Twelve for two hundred and something, two touchdowns yesterday. I mean, the guy's amazing. You talk about, you know, there's a lot of really really good receivers in the Big Ten this year, and I think you know all the talk about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I mean, Dotson's right there with those guys. Uh, David Bell. For Purdue, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of really good pass catchers there. So, you know, might be a little bit different next week for Michigan, but on the defense on the other side of the ball, Penn State has been excellent in stopping the run, but gave up like almost 400 yards passing to Tagovailoa yesterday for Maryland. So, could be a similar situation to Michigan State, where Michigan's going to have to throw the ball to win on the road. You know, so. A little bit of a long-winded thing here, but but really, I, I do think the ceiling is is there because we've seen guys, we've seen flashes from a ton of different guys throughout the season. Can they kind of mesh it, put it all together, you know, for for these big games coming down the stretch? Yeah, I think the only thing I would I would add to it to what you've said is I think this will be. We really can't say how Michigan is in pass coverage. We can say, but it comes with a grain of salt. They really haven't faced any of the Big Ten's top passing teams. Now they're going to. You know, in terms of passing yards per game, the top four this season in the Big Ten are Ohio State, Purdue, Maryland, and Penn State. You, know, you mentioned Dotson. Ohio State has tons of receivers. Maryland, I don't think, is necessarily a matchup that Michigan is in strong danger of losing, but it will be interesting to see how that position group continues to develop because obviously the test against Ohio state, usually that game does come down to who's better in the trenches, but Ohio state does have the receiver talent to maybe if they really can't get the run game going, maybe they can turn it on in the passing game. So I think, I think that's still something I think the jury is still maybe out. I don't take much away from the Indiana game in that regard, uh, just because they were down to their third string quarterback but but there, there is, it's clearly progress from last season it's just a matter of if there's enough progress to to win because I do think if Michigan can make Dotson inefficient next week I think Michigan will win pretty comfortably I mean you mentioned the run game I it just yeah they they are not a team that is two-dimensional offensively this year they, they it really is as you said feeding Dotson trying to trying to sprinkle the pass game in here and there. So that will be, that's maybe the one area where if they're, if they're not clicking on all cylinders, 
that's maybe the one area that could help them get to that point. And then, yeah, the passing game, I mean, continued progress. They are going to need, especially against Ohio State, but but also against Penn State, they are going to need very, very good games from Cade McNamara, it seems like. I mean, I, I think the days, as much as we have applauded Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum, and, and they'll be, you know, especially, I mean, I don't know Corum's injury status, but especially Haskins, I mean, they'll, they'll make an impact in those games, but they probably are going to be games where they are. It's kind of like Michigan State. Michigan needed Cade McNamara to play one of the best games of his career in order to be in position to win. They didn't win, but he delivered. Um, can't, can't say, you know, 383 yards kind of speaks for itself a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's probably a formula that's, that's got to be a part of Michigan's equation moving forward. Steve, any other final thoughts, uh, parting thoughts, takes, opinions stemming from this weekend for the Wolverines? Not particularly. Um, like I said, I think, I think the, if we're honest, I think really the biggest question for Michigan heading into Penn State, and we'll talk probably a little bit more about it as we know more, is the injury stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to make, I think it could potentially make a big difference in this game for Michigan. Quorum aside, I mean, well, what about Donovan Edwards too? You know, I mean, do you, if you go into Happy Valley and I mean, maybe we'll see what, what Tavier Dunlap can bring. I think he had a couple carries yesterday, but, but you, you're not, I just don't. So yesterday I tweeted during the game, Corum hurt or Edwards out, Corum hurt. They need to throw the football. Uh, not at all because Hassan Haskins is not up to the task, but not knowing where the health or what the depth chart is going to look like at running back. It is imperative that Michigan keep Hassan Haskins fresh. Um, yeah. You know, that is the, that is now all of a sudden becomes one of the biggest priorities for them is to not overutilize him as, as, as much as it looks like he's always capable of doing so you're still running a risk every time you give a guy, you know, more And Michigan did a better job of it as the game continued. I mean, but after the first quarter, he had, he had 10 carries and I think he had about 15 or 14 or 15 halfway through the second quarter. I mean, he was on pace for 40 carries at one point. And uh, so make getting guys, making sure it, it's not going to be hundred percent. I don't anticipate all the guys that left the game yesterday are going to play next Saturday, just playing the, the law of averages here. Uh, but I think I think having some kind of Blake Corum back, I think Andrell Anthony is all of a sudden is quietly an important guy. I think they need to get him. He, he needs to be on the field for Michigan to be at optimal strength. And the other one that's kind of quietly, and this will be very interesting, A.J. Henning leaves the game. Jamon Green leaves the game. D.J. Turner is the, la- is the guy they throw out there on punt return. If Jamon Green cannot oh, go, do you really want your second corner as the guy taking your punt return. I thought it was very interesting that he's the guy they put out there instead of like, say, Sainer still, you know, obviously Roman Wilson, probably still not a hundred percent. Otherwise I, you know, so I thought it was very interesting that DJ Turner, which I mean, he had a great return and he looks like a guy that could, could do things there, but that's quietly kind of an important one because it, greens just on the surface level, greens injury looked like it was the most serious. I don't know if it was a separated shoulder or, uh, you know, what it was, some kind of situation, you know, DJ Turner's super important. Now he's already important. We listed him as one of the most important players for Michigan in the second half, but if green isn't able to go or isn't at a hundred percent, I think you got to put someone else out there on punt return, you know, to, to make sure that 
you're lowering any risk of DJ Turner getting hurt too, or just overextending him at all. So, you know, that's kind of what I'll be keeping an eye on in the week to see where we're heading is at, because I think, I think having a healthy, him healthy and able to return, at least field the punt uh, is, is important for, for help keeping the defense fresh or at least DJ Turner. So, you know, health is the big issue for them this week. If there was one really bad takeaway from the game yesterday, that's what it is. It's that they, they did not get out of it at a hundred percent. And they actually have a handful of like relatively significant guys that are, are now questionable next week going into, yeah, into a game that if they win, it's almost, I mean, it, they should, they should beat Maryland. And, and you're talking about, you know, what you want to be talking about as a Michigan fan. And that is playing for the big East championship against Ohio state and a very potential potentially uh playoff berth, you know, which is when you're Michigan and you wake up at the beginning of the season, that's what you want. Next week's game is really the biggest, the final biggest hurdle for them to get there. So, you know, health is going to be really, really big for them. I feel like. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's a good point about the the punt returns. I mean, T- Turner, I, I actually liked how he looked back there, but, but is that optimal for Michigan, especially I just mentioned, the pass coverage uh, down the stretch is going to be tested. You know, is that, is that who you want back there, especially if green ends up missing a game or two, but yeah, obviously the injuries will continue to have updates over at Michigan.247sports.com, the Michigan insider.com for Steve Lorenz. I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Be sure to subscribe to all of our podcasts or listen to the recruiting ones and the basketball ones as well. Everything is starting to, to heat up here over at the Michigan insider. So be sure to, Follow along and and, uh, continue listening. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Sometimes it takes a killer to catch a killer. These killings are my vengeance. The new season of the hit Paramount Plus original series Criminal Minds Evolution is now streaming. Buried secrets come to light in the new season as the criminal profilers join forces with an unlikely ally. I have a plan. We will not rely on help from a serial killer. Oh, you most certainly will. Stream the new season of Criminal Minds Evolution exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.